Chef David Chang and the members of the Recipe Club sift through millions of search results to find the very best way to make the food you want to eat. Each week, they cook three recipes for the same dish, debate them, and ultimately declare the winning recipe. Check out Recipe Club on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome to Bachelor Party. I'm Juliette Littman. We are going to talk about one of my favorite shows today, F1 Drive to Survive on Netflix with Kevin Clark. But before that, we got some Bachelor news. So I'm joined by my Bachelor comrade, Amelia Wedemeyer. Hi, Amelia. Hello, Juliette. How do you feel? I mean... How do you feel? <laughs> it's been... I am so glad. Oh my God. I'm so glad that we get a break. I'll be honest. I'm really happy about it. Um, me too. I'm so happy today to not have to watch a show tonight. We just need a pause. Also, this is the natural order of things. You're not supposed to go from season yes. to season to season. And that's why I'm pissed about this two bachelorette thing. I'm obviously thrilled for both Katie and Michelle. Yeah. But I'm worried for us. This means that we are going to have the bachelorette <sighs> starting in, in May with Katie. And then wow, I, May? Yeah, they're filming now. And then I think we're going to get Paradise this summer. And then crossing my fingers and then we're gonna have michelle and like i'm gonna be tired by then i need to work on my bachelor endurance i guess and i'll be honest you know at first i was like yeah katie and then more the more i thought about it i was like i don't want katie as the bachelorette why not interesting she is a gimmick girl which Mm. is fine but they've never given a entire season to a gimmick person. And just because she stepped up to the plate and was like, I don't condone bullying when, you know, everyone else should have done that too is kind of, it's wild to me. So you feel like she's getting too much credit for being anti-bullying. It's like, yeah, we're all anti-bullying. Exactly. Yeah, we should be. Yeah, exactly. It was like, that was the lowest threshold and she crossed it and no one else did. So let's give her a season, which is just like, I don't, I'm okay, sure. I don't, and I think they also think that it's going to be another Hannah Brown season. Someone yes. told me that. And I was like, you're 100% correct. Yes. 
I was going to bring that up. I, it's undeniable that Michelle is a better personality than Katie, based on what oh. we've seen, which is not a lot. But Michelle's obviously very funny. I can't wait. Hopefully, <sighs> it gets to shine through when she's the bachelorette. Give us some fucking humor, you know? Give us some Give us some more push-ups. Michelle, I am just, I'm very excited. Well, I have a bias because she's from Minnesota, but I... It's okay. We all bring our biases <laughs> to the table. It's okay. We just, we're here to acknowledge them and to lean into what we're excited about. We're, you know what? We're just going enthusiasms only, really. Like, wow, I love this. I mean, after fucking <laughs> yeah, 12 weeks of no enthusiasm, let's just enjoy. It's a, it's a beautiful day where I am. So like, let's just oh, be good. happy today. So it's pretty nice here too. Yeah. I think we can agree. Michelle is going to be, she's a great pick for Bachelorette. She seems funny. Uh, and like, that's like m- one thing that we do not get a lot. That was something Caitlin Bristow had. She was funny. She is funny yes. now. Although I don't know if we got to see her be funny as a Bachelorette. This might be recency bias, but I'm excited yeah. about that. Here's the case for Katie. Okay. I don't like Hannah Brown. Just not a fan. No, same. I'm ready for her to go away forever. But I loved Hannah Brown's season. And I do think that there obviously are you know a lot of problems that Hannah Brown is not free from at all. But someone like Hannah who doesn't who doesn't have the experience of like being kind of like the hottest person in the room at all times and <laughs> isn't a pageant person who's like in some ways just like a normie dressed up by the show <laughs> could could make for good television. And yeah. I d- obviously Hannah's like sort of like pursuits of self were compelling television. I did enjoy that. And I, I look back on the summer of 2019 as the summer of Tyler, obviously. Oh my God. And I just want... I want some stupid people to be excited about. Not that, I'm not calling, not calling Tyler stupid. That's not what I mean. But I want like, I mean, some, like, some stupid drama to be excited about. I'm not going to shade Tyler. I like Tyler. He's a good I friend. Know, I know you do. And I'm sorry. I know he's I know he's your friend. But did you read his Amazon um, description of his book where he I called didn't. himself the male feminist we all needed? I did. I did not. I, I'm positive he didn't write that himself, though obviously he's <laughs> co-signed it. That, that I don't know about the book, but um, Tyler's a nice person, so I'm not okay, going to turn on him. No, no, no. You don't. You do you. I just disagree. <laughs> I just disagree, and it's fine. Anyway, anyway, yeah. That's the case for Katie. I get it. It's hard to be excited. Also, I agree with Rachel Lindsay. They should have taken a pause. They're going into this way too quickly. But yeah. um, Yeah, they are. Oh, my God. But no, yeah, I get that. I mean, I guess... See, I'm afraid they're going to do, which I mean, you know, obviously we've talked about it before, but when they had Lee on Rachel Lindsay's season, I'm afraid they're going to get like a Luke P kind of person for Katie's season, who's going to be very much like Chase, Chase, like virginity. And they're going to, it's going to be this weird, like Katie versus the sky just to create drama, just because it's like, we've seen it before. So that's, that's my one thing where it's like, okay. We know how you guys cast. So I don't know. I mean, it's whatever. Yeah. I I hope that they are learning some lessons. So let's hope for the best and be prepared for the worst because it could be coming. That's perfect. Related to this season, they're currently quarantining in New Mexico. Um, Seems like Tayshia's having a great time based on her Instagram. She's just in her room just doing some exercise. (laughs) She was making pancakes. The two hosts of this season are Caitlin and Tayshia. And I'm curious how you feel about that. Well, it's interesting because, and I don't remember who told me, someone else, it might have been producer Kaya, um, who someone posted an article in Slack that was to Jordan and JoJo's new 
dating show. Mm. So I think that's why they chose Caitlyn because I feel like they would have had JoJo on again. Yeah, they gave her a shot already. That's interesting. JoJo yeah. and Jordan are smart by like maintaining totally good, by maintaining a good relationship with the franchise. They're able to like still be associated with it. Yeah, but they are able to um, kind of like duck in and out essentially and. And as a result, I bet they can like make more money, have like better, hundred percent, better situation than having to be like just sort of given take what they're given from the Bachelor Nation essentially. So, yeah. I and I would love to see like uh, like a family Rogers show. That would be great. Uh, of course, me too. Oh Here's my what I say about Caitlyn and Tasha. Hosting is hard. I would have preferred they'd gotten <laughs> a real host. It's a skill. Yeah, it is a real skill. Oh. Like Chris is Harrison or not, he's very experienced at hosting, and oh, that is. Uh-huh. When he wasn't there with JoJo, we, we did feel it. So I would have preferred they'd gotten a host, but, you know, Chris just hired a lawyer who um, also represented Gabrielle Union when she was in a dispute with NBC following right. her her exit from America's Got Talent. And this leads me to believe that there's some messiness going on between the show, the network, Yikes. and Chris over his his future and if there's an exit and whatever's going on there. Yeah, you know what I would love to have seen? And I'm not saying, I'm, yeah, I will, I'm, Perfectly fine with giving Tasha and Caitlin a chance. Why not? You know, it's like, who cares? I did like how JoJo was kind of rude to the guys. I was like, okay, nice. But um, would love to see like Jeff Probst Ooh. host The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah. Bring some of that flavor, some of that Probstian flavor. Yeah, he'd be like, come on in, guys. You know, it would be fun. It would be fun <laughs> if there was just sort of like a whole like rotating wheel of hosts and they just showed up on different shows. Yeah, very like Jeopardy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about Pat Sajak in this oh, role? I hate Pat Sajak. What about Vanna White? Let's give her a speaking job. Okay, I, I honestly, I'm over Pat, but I'm into Vanna. <laughs> uh, well, you know who? Oprah. Give Oprah the position. You know what they should have done? They should have gotten Nick Lachey and Vanessa Lachey. <laughs> oh my god! Fresh off their stint on Love Is Blind, they're ready for it. That actually would have been a good idea. That huh. would have. But here's the thing. I think Nick, I mean, it's pretty obvious to anyone who's watching The Masked Singer right now, but Nick is the piglet. So oh. I know it, it would have coincided. And so he's it, already yeah. on a show is what you're saying. He is. Yes. Yes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm so mad that I don't watch The Masked Singer. What's wrong with me? I, I know I would I don't love know. it. You would. It's a. It's like American Idol, but a lot dumber. Last week in between meetings, I, I spent about six minutes watching a video of Nick Carter watching himself, which is like a, an Esquire <laughs> series. And it was so sweet. I He cried, which I then cried as a result. What? He cried? <laughs> he cried watching footage of his wedding from I Heart Nick Carter. Aww. But then, then he watched footage of himself from The Masked Singer and he was like clearly like in real, real time talking about like doing his own thing versus being in the band and how he enjoyed The Masked Singer. And I was like, why don't I watch that show? Anyway, it's the so point is, good. You should watch it. But point yeah. is, I love Nick Carter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a couple more news items to hit in this rapid fire. In this rapid fire round, we're doing. Um, I noticed over the weekend that there was a a crew hanging out, and it was Connor from roommates wow. with Matt, roommates with Mike Johnson, and then oh. there was Ivan from Tasha yes. season, right? And they were with Madison. Pruitt from Peter oh, season mm. and they were like in the car singing um, Justin Bieber. It seems to be Connor's thing that he does the rap ludicrous part of baby, which I don't know why that's his thing, but fair enough. I feel like sure. it's like on brand. And then Madison yeah. had a birthday and Ivan attended her party. I saw and that. I'm a little worried about Ivan. I need Ivan <laughs> to step away from his phone and get off social media 
and be the normal person I know he can be. Is this like a get out situation? I don't even know if it's that. I just am like, Ivan, you, you're, you're better than this. So maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I, I just don't think highly of Madison and I do think right. highly of Ivan. So uh, I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I think you think highly or higher than I do of Ivan, but um, agree. I think he's better than Madison. And, but at the same time, you know, I feel like Bachelor Nation is very similar. To, and I, I'm sorry to bring this up, but to Survivor <laughs> alum where they all hang out with each other. And I think that's the same thing with Bachelor Nation. I guess it is. And you know what? This keeps their like cameo value high. It's like if, <laughs> if they're doing this kind of thing. So that's true. It's like oh, it's like a reason to do it. I guess it's a great reason. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, also hanging out this weekend was Bennett and Dr. Joe. Yeah, and together they attended the South Asian Hate Rally in New York City over the weekend, and also were doing some promo for the Special Olympics. And I was like, Yeah, you love to see it, and that's yes. awesome. With Ed. Ed was with Ed doing... With too. Yeah, with Ed, I, too. I feel like maybe the tides have changed for me and Ed. I I told, I, did I tell you I was in on Ed? Did I tell you that a few weeks ago? Yes. No, you have. Yes. No. <laughs> and I was like, I hate him. But maybe I changed my mind. Jared Freed also said that Ed was, like, very sweet. So I think I like oh, Ed now. And okay. Ed, Bennett, and Joe, thank you for using your platform this way. Yeah. And... um. Joe also posted some really heartfelt and, and really resonant videos about what he's going through with this, um, with all this anti-Asian violence. Mm-hmm. And he just continues to really um, be such a good role model of like what to do with this attention that you have. And, and moreover, you know, sharing a really important message. So it was just really cool to see. I love that. I Honestly, let Joe be the bachelor. There is a big online contingency <laughs> of people who want Joe to be the bachelor. It's It's big. I mean, he is smart. He's a freaking doctor. He clearly cares about issues. He's hot. Why not? <laughs> He's hot. Why not? That's, that's, <laughs> that's like the that's Bachelor the slogan. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was just, it's cool. You know, I think there's like a lot of questions. How do people use their platforms once they have them? Definitely. And, um, I just thought it was really cool and, and, uh, Joe continues to be wonderful. And honestly, let's give Bennett and Ed some credit too. Uh, I agree. Yeah. No, I agree. I, you know, was, I was into Bennett at the beginning of Clacia's season. And then I was like, okay, this guy's like over the top. I I can't do this anymore. But now seeing that, I'm like, you know what? Okay, fine. I changed my mind again. Yeah, we're all back in. We're back in on Bennett. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We just wanted to hit these news stories rapid fire. Amelia, thank you for joining me. We are now going to talk about F1 Drive to Survive, which I implore you to watch. It's just fun television. Um, Kevin Clark and I are going to get into it. And tomorrow, Danny Pellegrino. I'm recording with him, so that's coming on Thursday. Oh, that's going to be good. That's going to be really good. I hope so. All right, Amelia, talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, 
tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven and your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, participating U.S. stores. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And now to discuss my my favorite show on my favorite streaming network. Um, I love Netflix, and boy, do I love Formula One Drive to Survive. And to discuss it, I'm joined by the Ringer NFL shows and Slow News Days, Kevin Clark. Kevin, welcome. It is also my favorite thing in the world. It's like really good television. I it's like a know. really well-made show. It, it Honestly, it puts hard knocks to shame. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. Yeah, I agree with that. I would also say I don't have a favorite streaming service. I haven't <laughs> sat down and weighed that, but I definitely have a favorite show, and it's it's Formula One Drive to Survive. Um, it really is so good. Season three came out this past Friday. This new season of Formula One starts yeah. this coming Friday, basically. Um, and it was really interesting. I, I don't even know where to begin. There's so much to dig into. I guess, Kevin, you're a real Formula One fan. I became one sure. in the last year via watching this show. And I'm curious, like, how you find the show interplays into larger Formula One narratives and, like, what is its role in Formula One? Because as I was saying, the NFL, Hard Knocks is, like, a fun thing that, like, TV fans and NFL fans alike can enjoy. But I think that it's, I get the impression Drive to Survive is, like, kind of a bigger part of the Formula One world than Hard Knocks is to the NFL. Yeah, well, Hard Knocks isn't, First of all, it's not full access like this. And like there are huge storylines that Hard Knocks has missed. A great example is when the Raiders were the Hard Knocks team. Antonio Brown was basically the biggest story in football. Uh, he was actively waging war against Mike Mayock and John Gruden, and Hard Knocks didn't really have anything. I um, mean, there were a lot of people inside football who were just surprised at that. And that that's just because of the limitations Hard Knocks has. Now, it's a great question because I was thinking about this, Juliet, with the driver changes, because now I process it. Uh, so just so anyone who isn't familiar, there are a bunch of seat changes in Formula One, as there is every year, but a lot of high-profile guys, Sebastian let's Vettel, actually, Vettel. Let's step back even further. Formula One is, is the, a racing car series. It's a racing car sport, really popular yeah. in Europe. I would say its spiritual home is the UK, and um, there are... And, and, and Monaco. In Monaco, of course. How could I forget Monaco? <laughs> the, ta- the wonderful tax haven that most F1 drivers take advantage of. Yes. Um, there are 10 teams that each have two cars per race. There are, it's like the top tier of like of this type of karting racing, essentially. And the goal is to create your own car 
however, whatever means you can and get the best driver possible and win as many races as possible. It's really straightforward, but then from there, it's really fucking complex. I would add another category, which is uh, the driver who's really good also has to be able to move merchandise for whatever product, for whether it's yeah. Tag Heuer, whether it's Mercedes, whatever it is. And so there's a lot that goes goes along with that. Is all, yeah, and, and I will say, as a result, many Formula One drivers are very handsome. Carlos Sainz, what a glow up for season three. He's looking great, man. I feel like uh, they could have added 15 more Carlos Sainz leisure time. Oh, my uh, God. Has scenes. anyone worn a pop collar that well this decade? I mean, I was taken aback. So Carlos Sainz wore a pop collar while golfing, and it was intentional. In Mallorca. And I, I've never really seen that before. <laughs> and I, I kind of think I might try that starting he next looked, month when it warms he up. He looked so good. So I had to text a few friends like, Carlos Sainz, huh? Come, I'm like, come up. Ferrari, here we come. 2021. There was Carlos Sainz golfing. Carlos Sainz playing, I think, tennis Squat. or pickleball. Squash. Squash. Okay, yeah. With the rackets. And then um, I just sound like a 90-year-old with the rackets. The thing with the rackets. And then uh, just at the beach. They just added a scene at the end where he was just at the beach because the producers were like, get me more Carlos Sainz leisure time. There was a lot of like at home with the drivers this season. I think think that was partially because of COVID. They had some time to fill. But... It was like the most beautiful footage. They went the, the sort of like the star of the show of, of not a Formula One, but of the show is Daniel Ricardo. Anyone who enters mm-hmm. Formula One via Drive to Survive is in love with Daniel Ricardo because he's so charismatic. And I get the impression that anyone who interacts with Daniel Ricardo is in love with him. Um, and they just the most beautiful 4K footage I've ever seen of his like home in Perth. It was so gorgeous. Yes. Um, so to answer your question about how it plays into yeah. the, the world at large, I now process things two ways. I view it as, oh, okay, uh, Daniel is going to McLaren and that's interesting, but I can't wait for the real story in six months when Drive to Survive comes out. There's no other sport like this right. where the Netflix show or the docuseries or whatever it is, is a part of the narrative because you don't know the full story and everybody, I mean, how often in this show does it come out and the, you know, the PR person saying, well, just say this about Seb Vettel or whatever it is. <laughs> and then like, you know, a minute later, they'll be like, I hate that guy. You know, it, it's just, it's, it's really amazing. The blunt honesty you get things I've never thought about. Uh, it, it was, I, I was blown away by this series, even in comparison to the other ones. Like this one is already better. This docuseries is already better than anything else in sports television. Um, and I was blown away even in comparison to other seasons. Like I, as I shared last time we did this podcast last year for the last season, I've told NFL executives, you have to do this stuff. And there's two parts of it. Number one is they are pushing Amazon to, to, uh, or and teams and teams to have more access and and be able to push it and all that stuff and release all or nothing during the season. But the other part of it is is, is NFL coaches and NFL players they just don't want to do this kind of honesty. Um, and we're going to get into to what that what that means, kind of the ramifications of that a little bit later. But I just think that for whatever reason, maybe because all these guys are alphas, maybe it's because they they're all super confident, you know, millionaires many times over that they're okay being like, oh yeah, here's the actual truth about the situation. Um, I don't know what it is. Um, and the fact there's no coach like in football and all that stuff, but for whatever reason, this sport is uniquely, uniquely qualified to, to produce honesty and, and dudes who are just, just talking, uh, talking for real. 
it was there's a couple things that became really clear that make this the best, like you said, sports docuseries, like one of the best reality shows. I mean, it, it's more mm-hmm. it's more documentary than than reality. Um, but there was a couple things. First of all, you made a really good point, which is like there's no coach for each of these teams, and we're gonna come back to like team principles. But each guy has their own coach, which is hilarious. Cause like in the NBA, the best players have their own coaches, and then a bunch of them share. Like Tom Brady has his guy. What's his name again? Alex Guerrero. Alex Guerrero. LeBron has Mike Mancius. Like the top guys have their have their own performance coaches, but like part of being an F one is having your performance coach like travels with you wherever you go, and so yes. that's like a funny piece of this is that like this this show and it became more apparent this season I think in the previous two that like this is the closest realized an- at real life analog to the Game of Thrones where you're all fighting for the Iron Throne like the way the sport is um, structured is there are 10 teams and there's two drivers for each, but the two drivers, not only are they not working together, they usually end up hating each other. It's almost impossible for the two drivers to like each other after long periods of time, because the team ultimately has to favor one to become the best team. And so whoever loses that is like really salty and unhappy and then ends up leaving their team. And it's like a whole, it's just like such an intricate um, web of conflict in every direction. And like, literally yeah. there, there's no safety in, in any way in this sport. Like you're always imperiled for your seat in formula one and you could be taken down by your teammate or your own team. <laughs> yeah. And I would also say that part of the resentment that builds up is that your teammate is the only person who has the same car as you generally, right. there are some changes within that. But so if, if someone is better than you or is always finishing above you, you have no excuses. And so you just become, <laughs> as we see in the show, uh, a raging psychopath. <laughs> oh man. It's so yeah. good. Let's do some superlatives. That's like kind of the only way to take in this level of drama. Um, we didn't have this on the list, but as a result of, um, what you just said, who do you, who is your number one, um, aggrieved driver, AKA raging psychopath? Oh, wow. Um, okay. So, there's a couple of things. There's a couple of answers to that that overlap with other superlatives, but I'll, I'll go through a couple. Number one, Pierre Gasly becoming an out and out alpha by getting demoted and just hating the guys that own his contract with his Red Bull and then winning a race over the course of the season and still being mad. Um, there's some real, I, I love that. Um, I think Botas, obviously, uh, who, if people don't know, he drives a Mercedes, which is the best car, but he's next to Lewis Hamilton, who's a global superstar, beloved. Uh, nobody, I, I, I think that he pretty, pretty much has 100% approval rating uh, among F1 fans and non-F1 fans and just drive to survive. Um, he's the only Hamilton. real celebrity of this global sport. Yes, yes, I would say that, yes. He's and, the only one regularly in the Daily Mail, and man, is he in it a lot. Yes. And I would say Botas uh, hates this. Like, and that, that only came out <laughs> in the last 72 hours. Uh, he, at one point, was down in the dumps for 24 hours because of a bad like, a comment he saw on social media. Um, I totally, I totally like understand where he's coming from, just as far as being in the shadow of, like, I understand how much that would suck when everybody, he, he at the end of his, at the end of his segment, he was like, you know, everyone thinks this is this is the best seat in the world. Everybody would want this seat, but it's not easy. Um, I I probably think that you know there are 19 other guys on the grid um, who would probably have the same feelings, which is you know even if it was uh, Charles Leclerc or any any of these guys who are um, up and comers, whatever, they would probably hate being in Lewis Hamilton's shadow because he's just so good and so beloved. Yeah, so Botas gets his own episode. We go home to Finland with him. 
Nude some, scene. There's a nude scene. For some reason, they decide he and his performance coach, of course, go into the sauna together, and we just get full butt from Valtteri Bottas. Um, I think many people were just absolutely rocked by this. Daniel Ricardo posted an Instagram about it. The full peach, and um, his story, his episode, which I think is number three in, in season three, is is basically all about how he hates being the second banana. He is like he's yeah. probably the third best driver in in formula one and because he's gotten the mercedes car he gets to be number mm-hmm. two basically all the time do you think that's right do you think he's a better driver than max verstappen i, I think verstappen max is really freaking good I'm i think verstappen is really freaking good and i and I, I okay you're putting him at two yeah i think that verstappen if he was in a merc it would be really close um and uh you know botas finished second last year um, I mean, the, the problem is Ferrari car was so bad last year that we have, we can't really, can't, can't really do Charles, a better Charles. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, it's really hard. You know, like people said Fernando Alonso was the best uh, driver on the grid for a number of years after he, or one of the quickest, or maybe the second quickest for a number of years after he, he stopped winning titles, to, but he just start, started taking uh, worse and worse cars and was kind of a political nightmare to deal with. Um, and so it's really hard to, to sort of gauge just pure driving performance, but I would say he, Valtteri is, is at least in, in the top, in the top three. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's him, Lewis and Max, but anyway, so he's, He's, you know, like really good, but he just is constantly on the podium and in press and in photos and being compared to, I think in my lifetime, one of the purest, wonder, most wonderful celebrities there are. And that's Lewis Hamilton. And Lewis Hamilton, you read the Daily Mail, you know him. You're like, oh, that guy. And then the second you start paying attention to Formula One, you're like, oh, there's no one else ever in the history of sports like Lewis Hamilton. And is he the best Formula One driver of all time? Like maybe it's between him and Michael Schumacher, whose son joined the yeah. show this year. Fuck yeah. Um, but like Lewis has it all. He's popular with American celebrities. He really cares about activism. He's the only black driver and he is really gracious in how much he's willing to talk about his experience. Um, and he wins all the time. Who doesn't love a winner? I, I love winners. Sports is about winning. So, you know, he dated Nicole Scherzinger for seven years. He mm-hmm. spent spent a time between Monaco and London. I mean, he's got it all. I, Kevin, during the long F1 offseason, I watched an hour-long YouTube video of Gail King interviewing Lewis Hamilton, and I had a great time. Wow. You really <laughs> went deep on this thing. Yes, I'm in. I'm committed. But, the, yeah, so the, the, the Botas thing is interesting to me because... I think that anyone who saw his nice house or the fact that he, I mean, he has a very, very nice house. There was some great real estate in this season. Um, they really, they really improved on that. But anybody who would see his house or his lifestyle or the fact he makes millions of dollars, I mean, I think anyone would opt into his lifestyle. Um, and, and so the fact that he was honest about the fact that, that he did not necessarily enjoy this, um, that, 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 was, that was really fascinating to me because I don't think you get that. Again, maybe it's because it's more of an individual sport, but you don't get that honesty from, from most people. Um, I mean, I think there are athletes who make $20, $30 million who we probably, who probably from the outside looking in probably are not enjoying their, their lot in life, um, but they never say it outright um, in the same way that, that maybe he did uh, in, in this series. It seems like basically every Formula One driver, except for like Lando Norris, is brooding, and and he's definitely Botas is definitely one of them. One thing I I think that <laughs> I kind of asked you about how this fits into like broader narratives because yeah, 
because um, Botas and Hamilton are so do- were so dominant this past season, and Mercedes like doesn't really need to be a part of the show. To your point, like they have no problem pushing product. First of all, it's Mercedes. Second of all, they have Lewis Hamilton. Third of all, they win all the time. So like they don't really need the show. It's very clear who kind of needs the show to maintain a profile and, and use this to their benefit. Like once again, there's always strategy at play with Formula One, and I I thought that um, Mercedes was is just really underrepresented again because they don't need it, but. I also was surprised because Mercedes is sort of like the nexus of where sort of Black Lives Matter activism li- mm-hmm. lives this past season. And, you know, the first race after the stoppage because of COVID, there's a whole controversy over who kneels and who doesn't. And most of the drivers kneel, but several several don't. And Formula One is like definitely far from an enlightened sport. So I, I was just surprised they didn't cover that. I mean, they kind of didn't know what to do with that. It was very clear because they just like ended the show with like 10 minutes on Lewis Hamilton's experience. And that was the end of the season. Yeah. Um, but I, I was like pretty surprised by that and disappointed because when I, because to your earlier point, when that was going down, I was like, can't wait for Netflix to see what this is like on the inside and like how these guys talk to each other. Yeah, I was surprised that they threw the Lewis Hamilton comments at the end of the of the 10th episode it almost felt like it would have been better not to cover it at all than throw it at the end of the 10th episode. It was almost like they were like, well, we have to do this. Let's just put it at the very, very end. I was, I was like you quite surprised at the treatment that that particular storyline got. It was, it was weird. I will say I did find it powerful to see the end racism t-shirts and the black lives matters t-shirts and like, absolutely without it being discussed. Like it was just part of the season. I thought that was actually really cool. I absolutely agree. Let's move on to our our next superlative, which there's just like a lot to piece through. Let's go with best villain. Kevin, who is your best villain? So how about in the same way, like Michael Schumacher's kid is involved. Like we, there's just a new, new cast of characters. Lauren Stroll being promoted to a series regular because he now owns a team outright. He's bringing it in it, racing points, becoming Aston Martin, which he also bought into. Uh, this is a guy who's been around uh, the show in recent years. He was an investor in Williams when his son Lance was a driver there. Uh, very controversial dude, very, very high expectations. He comes in and the racing point car becomes a dominant theme of the first half of, of, of the show. Let's say, mm-hmm. uh, they have a car that looks dramatically similar to the Mercedes. Um, and to the point that maybe they think it's cheating other cars, other teams on the grid accuse him of cheating. He has, he makes this video where he says we weren't, he makes fun of some of the teams just saying they're just not good enough at their jobs, all that stuff. I like when we're saying best villain, we mean villain that does it moves the story forward the most. Like this is not somebody I don't necessarily hate Lawrence Stroll. I'm just saying that this is if you're doing your job as sort of a um, a thorn in the side of Formula One, uh, there's there's no doubt about who the best villain is. I don't hate Lawrence Stroll. Do you? I probably like him. The least because I like the other team principals. He's not the team principal, right? No, but he is. He's the owner. Uh, no, right. He's the owner. And Aunt so Mars is, is his team exa- Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I like, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Toto and Christian Horner guy. And uh, oh. when they're not, when they're not happy, I'm not happy. I, I and, mean, we'll uh, come back to Toto and Christian Horner, but Toto Wolf is the principal and part owner of Mercedes. And yeah. I would absolutely ruin my life for Toto Wolf. I fucking love him. And I think that he like oozes luxury and sweats yeah. money. And I, I love that guy. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> but I thought that the way that they presented the racing point card, when the racing point card debuted, they edited it so cleverly. It was like, uh, 
It's like a scene when like a high schooler gets a makeover in a teen movie and they walk uh-huh. through the hall and like the music is like really cool and everybody's staring at the teen. Yeah. Like that was how they edited the debut of the car where they had, they, they kind of spliced together a bunch of teen principals and drivers like turning their head. And it was, there's there no way they were all looking at the racing point car like this. No way. <laughs> but they found all this file footage of these drivers being like, what's that? And it's just this, it's the car that's going to finish fourth on the grid. Like that's the thing that was just stunning everybody. But so essentially they, they all thought it was illegal. Um, Lawrence Stroll played a great did a great job of um of of defending his team and everybody involved with the racing point project uh did a great job of of uh making everybody as angry as possible which i i enjoyed so i don't hate lawrence stroll i don't really hate anybody in formula one um but i hate I max do. for stopping that's the only one but i i despise him why i think he seems like a bad person okay. and um i just think he's like a total dick he didn't kneel he like he stole someone's seat and then stole that same man's yeah. girlfriend and they're yeah, now dating. That was a tough one. <laughs> Be quite tough. Um, the only redeeming thing about Max Verstappen is it seems like him and Daniel Ricardo truly enjoy yeah. each other. But like Daniel Ricardo also just seems like the type of guy who would really frustrate me because he's like kind of open to anyone, just like looking for a good time regardless of whom whoever it is. And I just feel like that's like he's just like not discriminated enough in who he spends his time with, Daniel Ricardo. And I just hate too back- friendly for you. It's not too friendly. It's like it's just like not discriminated enough. I, mean, I find so. A real so the problem is okay. So the problem for you is that if you, if you're out at a bar with 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 Daniel, mm-hmm. he's bringing too many people over to the table. Yes, and he's yeah. he's like anyone can come sit down. I'm like, no, they can't. Some people yeah. cannot sit down. Sorry, we've reached our limit. Yeah, Daniel's like too too much of an extrovert almost. It's not even like he's too friendly. It's just like the way that he interacts with people, I think would make me angry. Cause I'm just like, no, let's put down some limits. So the uh, going to a bar with Daniel is out of the question. I mean, like I'd love Brooklyn. to go to bar, with da- bar, go to bar with Daniel. Can I tell you something? I drove past Daniel's house a few times with my friend recently ish yeah. in, yeah. in, in Los Angeles, Beverly Hills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you told me, easy. you told me this, you told me this offline. <laughs> Do you want to work through that? No, another to okay. work through. I feel good about okay. it. Thanks so. Um, I think that they they really positioned Lawrence Stroll to be the villain. Also, he bought a team, and sung out a seat. I mean, it's like you know, and the team that he pulled out of went out of business. So there's like a lot of reasons to not like Lawrence Stroll, but he's he is good television, and he clearly like loves this. Like he recorded like sort of the opposite of like a hostage video where he was trying to like refute all of these claims against him. And it was the yeah. most dramatic thing. And then when he, he finishes the video, he's like, was that good? Did I get it right? And it's like, yeah. he was just like looking for a chance to act. It was so funny. Do you like Lance Stroll, his son? I you know. I don't hate him either. I feel like you're not supposed to like Lance Stroll, but I do think he's actually like a good driver. You can't be in formula one that like working hard. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I do think it's unfair. So he got he got ripped as what's called a pay driver, um, which is someone who's who is only in the sport because they had the funds to do so. But there are so many of those um, that you know. You, if you start looking behind the curtain, you're going to find really bad things about almost every driver on the grid. It's just as far as the funding and stuff. If you th- Formula One is not a meritocracy. I'll say that. No, it's the absolute opposite. It doesn't even pretend to be. Um, let's move on. Most lovable driver. Curious for who you're going to say about this. Uh, Pierre Gasly. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, Tell me why. So Gasly gets demoted from Red Bull. It's, it, he has an article in the Players Tribune today. So carry on. He does. Yeah. 
What does it say? It's about his friend. It's about his friend Antoine dying in 2019. Yeah. Which is covered in the show. The reason is because I had no feelings for for Gasly whatsoever coming into this. And okay, I knew I liked Lando Norris, um, just super positive vibes guy. I, I knew I liked someone like Seb Vettel, um, for instance, right? Four-time uh, champion, of course. Four-time champion, uh, future Aston Martin driver. Uh, Daniel... Se- seems very um, spiteful, which I enjoy as well. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Daniel and and Lewis, uh, some, of my, some of my top guys uh, in the sport. But Gasly, for me, he gets demoted from Red Bull. He makes it... At one point, he says it's a joke how it's been handled. Um, he just kind of firebombs everybody on the team and makes Christian Horner, our guy, Christian Horner, very uncomfortable, um, because he's doing really well at his, in his new seat, which is still the seat that's still owned by Red Bull. And then he wins a race. And I did not like to see Alexander Albon, the guy he was replaced by sadly apologizing multiple times in this series. I thought that was very sad. I did like seeing Gasly. Watching Alex Albon, knowing how his season ended and knowing that he's been demoted was physically uncomfortable for me. It was so sad. I, I love Alex Albon. I, I wish him nothing but the best. He's similar to Lewis where he didn't come from like a really wealthy background. Like he was, um, he had to work a lot harder and his family had to make many more sacrifices and just like seeing his pain pained me. It was, it was so upsetting, but conversely, I agree the highest emotional highs of this season probably were, were with Pierre Gasly. His win was like so magical. And of course they like stripped out the context. So, like, I think that's when Lewis Hamilton had COVID. Like it was like an easier, an easier field or an easier grid, but like, who cares? It was so moving. And now I'm, I'm all in on Pierre Gasly. I also, I do love that. Like, it, it's like, that's the true sports movie story where it's like, you get yeah. demoted and then like you use that to fuel you and then you get a win. And one win in this thing that they do, like commit their whole lives to, means so much. Just shows you how hard it is to win. Um, a lot of amazing drivers never win anything because there's only two or three cars on any given uh, race that are capable of winning. So the fact that someone from a mid tier, uh, a mid 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 grid team would win a race would be would be at one point. Um, I think it was Leclerc said he had this line. I actually, wrote it down because it was so interesting. He said, "There are no miracles in Formula One." And I thought that was a really interesting phrase because there are miracles in every other sport, right? Like we're going to the NCAA tournament right now and Oral Roberts has won two games or whatever. I actually don't watch NCAA tournament, so I assume that they've won two games. Nor I. Um, just based on timing, I assume that they've won <laughs> two games. Um, but, you know, the Nick Foles winning the Super Bowl, that sort of thing. And in Formula One, everything makes sense. There's an order to everything because it's just cars and it's drivers and we sort of know how it's going to go. Um, so the fact that Gasly won a race to me uh, was phenomenal. I do quickly, because we're talking about Red Bull, uh, want to talk about the one story that wasn't covered here, which is, for me, the story of 2020, which is Helmut Marco, who runs um, Red Bull's driver development, basically, uh, in March of last year, said that it wanted, he wanted all of his drivers to just get COVID and get it out of the way and have a have a competitive advantage. The quote here is, we have four Formula One drivers and eight to 10 juniors. The idea was to organize a camp where we could bridge this mentally and physically some bridge this mentally and physically somewhat dead time. And that that, that would be the ideal time for the infection to come. It's <laughs> fucking sick. That uh, is like Red Bull's crazy. galaxy brain. Red Bull's galaxy brain is absolutely wonderful. And but the thing is, is it's not far off from the rest of Formula One. This is how competitive it is. Yeah. Is that one of the guys who runs Red Bull is like, why don't we all just catch COVID so we can be back on the grid? That's so crazy. That's so crazy. All right, let's move on. We got. We just yeah. need, let's talk about Red Bull and Christian Horner. Favorite principal for you is that Christian Horner? 
So let's back up here for one second. If you could be assigned, you're able to be reincarnated right now, mm-hmm. and you're assigned a role in Formula One, would you rather be a driver or a principal? Definitely a principal. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm like a fearful person. I, I would not, and I don't like drive fast. I'm like 75, <laughs> slow down. <laughs> Do you have a license? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. You live in LA. I forgot. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So I agree. Being a principal would be amazing. For me, it's Horner. And I will say, I want to make a broader point here. NFL coaches could learn something from team principals because team principals in Formula One are type A weirdos. Mm-hmm. Right, they're all gearheads, and they understand this stuff, and and they're just super granular on stuff. Yet they give off incredibly aspirational lifestyle vibes. Oh my god, yes! They're all impeccably groomed, great shape. I believe a couple of seasons ago, Christian Horner was walking around without his shirt off and was just <laughs> jacked. Unlike any football coach, Christian Horner might win in the octagon um, if he was fighting any football coach, except maybe like Mike Vrabel. Um, and I think that there's not an NFL coach where I'm just like, I'd like to be that guy, right? Like they all work 120 hours a week and it's all miserable and a bunch of, you know, it's just not, it's not aspirational. The team principals have it all figured out for me. It's Christian Horner. Part of this is that he doesn't have as good a car as Toto Wolf and Mercedes yet. He's just living rent free in Toto Wolf's head. Uh, at one point, Toto Wolf calls what Horner does quote little, little war games. Um, he <laughs> says the rivalry is big. Wolf said that. And I just kind of like, I kind of like Horner. I just, I, I think Wolf's probably better at his job and he's a co-owner and all that stuff. And he probably has more money. Although Horner is married to, uh, thank you. To Spice girl, Jerry. We, so she um, was shown in like a preview, like of a next time on, but she was not on the show. And I have to say, if I could get a spinoff, it would be at home with the Horners. Christian Horner and ginger spices life together is so fascinating to me. Christian Horner gives good quote. He is by far the best interviewer or best interviewee on this show. And, um, he is clearly a dick and doesn't care. He's got like so much confidence that he's just like, his says whatever he wants. He like, in some ways reminds me of Mitch McConnell where it's like he does it his way and he like, and he's just like, this is what we're doing. And that's that. And doesn't like to, um, won't won't concede. And when he makes a mistake, like he made a mistake with Pierre Gasly and Alex Albon last year, although, you know, they're in good position because they got Sergio Perez, but he is just like, uh, he is just out of a, a, a storybook. I can't believe that he's not more famous on his own. And I'm like, wh- why don't we have a TV show with the Horners? I'm confused. And he's British. He by understands the way. exactly what to do with Netflix. Yeah, like he, he made his congrats when they, his he hired he hired Sergio. Oh, well, I'm sure Jerry was was coaching him up. Um, but so. I I think that there's. You know, the fact that he made his congratulatory call to Sergio while on the set at the end there, like he just knows how to play this game. Um, and so I think that the, from an intention standpoint, I think I, I think all of those guys, their their um, profile is growing each season. I think Horner is pretty famous at this point, and I think he knows exactly how to play everything. When Ricardo left Red Bull a couple of seasons ago, Horner was he did this big voiceover. who was like, I just think Daniel's running from a fight. Like it's it's like that he was sent from heaven for the producers to just put everything in context from one of the most important people in Formula One. It's really amazing. Toto is more 
sly about everything. He would never say outright the things that that, that Horner does say. He's way uh, more it, measured. He's also yes. clearly a genius. I I love. He is in the George Clooney Ben Affleck zone of older men. I love Toto Wolf so much. He is obviously very smart. His wife is also a big player in Formula One, which yes. I which I happen to love. Um, he himself was a driver, but he's like really excelled as basically a GM. That's what principles are essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin, you told me he also like set things up in an extremely financially beneficial way for himself, where he's just like just printing money, minting money at his home in Austria. He's Austrian. He, actually, he has he has a stake in uh, in the team in Mercedes, right? I believe yeah. he was in Switzerland. The other noted tax haven of Europe, of course. Um, and he's just like, he's just like a man of excellence. He's to me, he's like the Miami heat of formula one. I just like do things the right way. Professionals and, uh, something to aspire to. I don't know if I can love Toto every time he's on screen, I'm just like, yes, let's not move away from this. I, and the Toto Christian Horner rivalry is like, so is so fun because they are not actually driving, but you feel like you're watching puppet masters and get to see like what, what they decide play out. And, I also think to Toto's credit, they've really backed Lewis. Like they've made Lewis not just like yeah. the best driver, but they've like invested in like the Lewis Hamilton brand. And also, and now as a result of that, are part of Lewis Hamilton's efforts to um, bring awareness about, you know, ending racism and have not shied away from that at all. They clearly like made it mandatory for Botas whether he wanted to be involved or not. I don't know, but it's like Mercedes has aligned up with Lewis in a way that like, not a lot of teams do with their stars. And I, that also speaks very well to me of Toto. I agree. Uh, offline, you ranked your favorite Austrians. Would you like to give us that ranking? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'd absolutely love to. <laughs> Let me see. I, you give your rankings and I'll give my notes on that particular ranking, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. What I said to you, well, I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's pretty clear list. I don't think anyone yeah. is wondering. Um, here's my list of, of Austrians. There's the top mm-hmm. three. Okay. Number one, Captain Von Trapp. Yep. Number two, the seven minutes of Arnold Schwarzenegger in the video after the coup where he talked about his experience growing up in Austria with the Kristallnacht. I think mm-hmm. that's like the best, the best we could ever hope for from Arnold Schwarzenegger as a public figure. So that seven minutes of Schwarzenegger's life, number two. Number three, Toto Wolf. Show me the lie, so, Kevin. Uh where is Mozart on this list? He's a clear four. His his contributions are important, but um, I'm going to have to leave him at four. I'm, I'm more of a um, Bach and uh, I just, just no, he's not my favorite. I do love classical music, but he's just not my favorite. I, I love Chopin. What can I say? I will say that when you're ranking Austrians, there's a, there's a number one with a bullet for worst and uh, we don't need to do that today, but. Yeah, I think it's clear. <laughs> I mean, I will say since <laughs> we don't you brought have to this embrace up, debate on the worst Austrian. Um, the old European like way of doing things also is just like integral, integral, yeah, integral, inexorable from Formula One. Yeah. It's sort of like this, like it just feels like it's like still 1987, and like we're still mourning yeah. the death of Princess Grace. And I, I just feel like there's something so European and like debonair about Formula yeah. One that is for us Americans, I think incredibly appealing and it comes across on the show very strongly. Well, I also think that the part of it is being like a dumb sports fan about something. And there's something to that. So like you and I are, we like sports, we love sports, but 
we know a lot about the sports that we cover from like a professional angle. And like, sometimes you get into deep on a sport mm-hmm. and it's like, when I came into formula one, I knew nothing. I'm still a huge dumbass about the actual sport. Right. Like, yeah, I, I don't need, know anything about making cars. Right. And so, or even driving it. Right. Like I, so one time I went to a go-kart, there's a go-kart track in Orlando. And I went with this kid, uh, this guy who, um, who like had taken a handful of racing lessons when he was a kid and he just absolutely dominated everybody because he just understood the racing lines. And I was just like, I don't know any of this. I don't know what's going on. It's like two years ago. And um, anyway, uh, I just think that there's something appealing about just going into a sport and just being like, I'm a huge dumbass. I don't know anything. I'm just going to enjoy this for for what it is. And I'm just going to look at the, the thing about Formula One, Juliet, and golf is like this a little bit, except for like when they go to Ohio, is they're always in a place you'd like to be, mm. right? So like right now, we're both in in the New York area. I'm looking out my window. It's a fine day, right? It's fine. It's whatever. It's and beyond fine. You've been in California and in Florida for too long. It's a beautiful spring day here in the New York area. But typically around this time of year, F1 starts in Australia. And I'm like, man, I'd really like to be in Australia. And in the summer when they're in Monaco, I'm man, <sighs> I'd really like to be on a boat in Monaco. So I think they yeah. do a nice job of every every event they have is aspirational for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's kind of like why we're talking about the show on this television show on bachelor party and not on like one of the ringers, many sports podcasts is because that's what makes it great television. And like, I'm telling you, you don't have to love formula one. You could, you don't have to know anything about it to really enjoy the show. It's kind of like best case scenario of sports meets game of Thrones meets real housewives. Like I'm not, I'm not exaggerating at all. It is great television. And I, I really, I really recommend it. Um, Coming out of it, what do you think is the is the most important storyline for the coming F1 landscape? Because for oh. many people now, watching the sport is just sort of like, what will we see on the show next year? Yes. So I think looking backwards, uh, Roman Grosjean obviously surviving the horrific crash and the episode devoted to that was absolutely amazing. Um, what, I, what I'll say going forward is I thought the McLaren... There were a lot of people saying that the Lando Norris, Carlos Sainz rivalry was fabricated but i do want to see what happens there with signs going to ferrari and lando staying lando staying at mclaren what ricardo does now at cyril uh and and he had you know cyril was pretty frosty to him when he left renault um so i think that there's a little bit of interpersonal dramas going forward seb vettel um even though he wasn't going to be re-signed by ferrari going to to aston martin um there i i think that now with this because of the driver changes this year you're going to see you're going to be able to contextualize some of these petty squabbles a little bit a little bit better um and ferrari i mean like lando norris said I, I, even if carlos and lando get along fine like lando said in the show that ferrari were the seventh best car which is yeah. ins- which is so <laughs> fun like to contextualize this like it would be like um it would be like I, I, someone from, you know, well, Jimmy Butler just being like, you know, the Heat are, or sorry, the Lakers are, are really good. They're, they're definitely like a top 10. They're definitely like a top 10 team, <laughs> right? Like that, that, it's, it's, that's the equivalent they're of the it. Top it's third. just like the shade. Yeah. Um, or like, you know, the, the Notre Dame is definitely a, a top 20 all time college football franchise. Like it's, <laughs> it's that kind of thing, right? Um, and so I really enjoyed that. And so now you have the Netflix becomes part of the story. And so now you, even if they, even if people got along fine, uh, there are things that came up this time that that I found interesting. And you also make a good point, which is like this show really is built on the competition for who's coming in third, fourth, and fifth. And 
Will Buxton, the voice of this television show. Great he, jackets this year. Great jackets and I knitwear. I thought his hair looked great. I just felt like it was a real glow up for Will Buxton as well. Him and Carlos Sainz. I was like, okay, I see you guys. You've put in your time during COVID to make, make it worth your while. Um, he makes it clear how much money's at stake. And that's like the other thing about Formula One is, is there's just like so much money being thrown around. And coming in third is like such an exciting proposition that it drives an entire, no pun intended, entire TV show because it's like, you know, Red Bull and, and Mercedes are, are really locked in for one and two. And then and there's everyone else. And like the teams even say like, we realistically can only come in like fifth or sixth at this point. So that's what we're fighting for out of 10, by the way, it's not even out of 30. So it's like, right. It, it's pretty amazing to see how honest and, and open they are about it. I, I just, I just love this show. I mean, I really recommend everyone watch it. Yeah, I am with you. And you know, the investment part of it is fascinating. There's a book called How to Build a Car by Adrian Newey, who designs the Red Bull car um, and has won a bunch of titles with Red Bull. But he in the book, he talks about the investment the Red Bull had to make and and sort of them understanding the Red Bull principles, the actual company principles, understanding how much money it would take to actually compete in Formula One, not be seventh, not be sixth like Haas, actually compete. And the answer is it's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. I forget the actual figures. I think maybe in the first season they talked about the actual number it takes. I think that teams spend like $700 million on on the whole thing at some it's point. And obviously, insane. that's over. It doesn't happen all over the course of a couple of months. But it it there's just a lot of money at, at stake there. And that's why... A, a lot of the um, you know Mercedes and Ferrari, the people actually make the engines um, have an advantage because of just the, the money involved there. And the fact that those companies are okay with, with it kind of being a loss leader because it's marketing. Like Mercedes, I don't, I, I'm not in the market for a new car, but if I had the opportunity to get a Mercedes, I'd probably get one because of how much they dominate. Seeing Toto step out of a Mercedes, I'm like, yeah, looks right. Looks great. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me to talk about this show. I beg you all to watch it because then we'll talk about it more on this pod, but please do. I might rewatch it. It was just so much fun. Check it out. Wow. In 4K. I, I don't know. What else do I have going on? You should, do you know there's an Amazon McLaren series from a number of years ago? Have I you do. watched I sh- that? I should watch that to prep for Daniel's season. It's a good that, call. There's some honesty there because Honda just totally screwed up the engine and they're mm. just kind of like, oh yeah, we screwed up. So <laughs> it actually is, if you, instead of rewatching it, I, I would recommend that. And also right. there's some Williams stuff in the past. There, there's some, there's some good F1 docs out there. All right. Oh yeah. And of course, Senna, which is like one of the best docs of all time. So check that out too. Mm-hmm. Same people, I believe. Yes, I believe so. Formula One. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me. Check out Kevin on the Ringer NFL show and on the ringer.com. And I'll be back on Thursday with Danny Pellegrino. So um, talk to you then. Bye.